everyone. Welcome to NBA Unwrapped, where we unwrap the hottest takes from around the NBA. I'm Corbin Weinerman, joined by Perry Aston. Perry, say hello. Hey, what's going on, guys? Happy Monday. Yes, and on today's episode, we're going to be recapping the NBA draft that just happened last Thursday. But before we get to that, I want to remind you guys to please listen to us either on the SoundCloud app or via the Apple iTunes podcast app. While you're on the iTunes podcast app, if you could, please go ahead and give us a five-star review. We really appreciate that, and it really helps us out. Also, please remember to go ahead on Twitter and follow us at NBA Unwrapped. And if you are following us, go ahead and turn our Twitter notifications on. We tweet out all the breaking news. We got Perry and me both on it. Just go ahead and have our notifications on, and you really don't need to follow any other uh, Twitter accounts. Right, Perry? Yeah. If you guys did during the draft, you definitely are happy about that. We were tweeting live picks. Honestly, before they were officially announced on TV half the time, we were all over it. Even the second round, complete pick by pick, Corbin and I tag-teamed it, and there was all types of information on there for you. Anything breaking from any source, we were all over it. We got a ton of positive response from you guys. So much interaction. We really appreciate it. We had a ton of fun covering this draft. It was just as fun as last year's draft, which I thought was insane. So definitely followed up in suit from last year and was super happy to see the kind of reaction from you guys on Twitter. So thank you guys very much on that. Let's get right into this episode. And again, we're going to be talking about the NBA draft. And at the end of this episode, we're also going to be making just brief predictions about the upcoming NBA awards that are going to be on TNT tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern and 6 p.m. Pacific. So with that, let's get into it. Perry, we're going to start off talking about just six surprises from the draft. It could be reaches, steals, anything that kind of surprised you. So Perry, I'll let you go first. What's one of the surprises you had in this draft? Okay, I'll start with one. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. I actually had him mocked at number four in my last draft, which was the highest that I had him in any of my mock drafts. He had an interesting process leading into the draft and let teams evaluate him. A bunch of teams pitched in for a doctor, a specific doctor, and he came and gave them all a medical report, at least the teams that were interested in him. And he was tied to the Kings at number two and the Grizzlies at number four as soon uh, as late as two days before the draft. So to see him fall to number 14 and almost out of the lottery completely was a huge surprise and for the Nuggets to grab him at 14 and something that's it's a steal and something that I thought was interesting I was listening to a podcast earlier and Draft Express Jonathan Givoni sorry he was he said that he did a little research the number 14 pick in the last about seven years they've averaged about six to eight points for you per season and as of right now for the last about seven overall 14 picks uh, they weren't that successful in the NBA. They were either out of the NBA already or on their way out as we speak. So for the Nuggets at number 14, when you can really expect just a backup from that, you know, historically from pick number 14, just swing for the fences at that point. Michael Porter Jr. could possibly be a top two talent. And because of obviously his medical history, which teams are valuing heavily, they almost look at that more than upside nowadays if they have insane upside but a shaky medical report they're going to pass and then of course teams will regret that later on if they prove them wrong but Michael Porter Jr. is such a talented player and to see him fall all the way there and for the Nuggets to swoop him at 14 it's definitely a surprise but I think a good one for both of them. Yeah I agree with you I got Michael Porter Jr. as one of my surprises too before the draft happened there were some reports that the Clippers and Nuggets were both bracing for the possibility of having to decide on maybe selecting Michael Porter Jr. or not. And I I didn't believe that because I just didn't think that there was any way that he was going to slip that much. Yes, there's concerns about his injuries, but all the reports that were coming out before the draft talking about how his draft stock was rising and that teams weren't as scared about his injury history versus someone like Joel Embiid, who still went number three. Now, Joel Embiid is a seven-foot monster, and... Michael Porter Jr.'s, what, 6'10", 6'11", different position, but very unique skill set, or at least so we think. We haven't really gotten to see much of him. He he played three games at Missouri. Right. There's reports that he might not even play at all this season, and the Nuggets are fine with that. I think they knew that going into this, and the fact that they were able to grab a guy that could have been a top-five pick at 14, even if it's a redshirt situation when he's going to have to sit out the whole year but possibly come back the next year, a very 76ers business model, it 
it's okay. I mean, at that point, like I just said, the historically the number fourteen pick isn't that productive. So why not swing for the fences? Yeah, no, and it fits too. They needed a small <laughs> forward. They have Jamal Murray. They have Gary Harris. Will Barton's going to be a free agent. Even if they bring him back, I mean, they have uh, Paul Millsap at the four, and then they have uh, Nikola Jokic, who there was a report that just came out, remember, from our, I believe it was two podcasts ago, we were talking about how the Nuggets had to make a decision on Jokic. If they decline his team option, he'll be a restricted free agent. If they accept it, he'll be an unrestricted free agent next year. There's a report that they're working towards a max contract with him, so they'll decline his... As they should. Well yeah. No, they should. And it's it's the right decision for them because, yes, you have to start paying him a lot more one year earlier, but you can't risk possibly letting him go. So it's the right yeah, decision me, for me them. Me and you off the books did kind of a top 10, top 20 NBA players right now active, and we'll probably release that in probably the next podcast or something like that. But speaking of him, he slipped in at 20 for me. So he to me, he's a top 20 player in the NBA right now, and he's only getting better. So the Nuggets, they would have had to been absolutely out of their mind for them not to be going into max contract talks with him. Yeah, I think he definitely deserves it. He's, what is he, 23, if that? He's so really young. young. Yeah, and he's he's got a very unique skill set. He's not that athletic. He's not much of a shot blocker, but he's an unbelievable passer. He can shoot it. Um, a very smart basketball player. So, I mean, Michael Porter Jr. just adds to the young talent that they have, and now they have a very promising young player or an established player at every one of the five positions. Um, yeah, definitely. Who's, uh, let's go number two for our six prizes. Let's start with you for your number two, for your second one. Okay, so my second pick, I have Robert Williams, uh, one of the, or my second surprise. He went, fell to number 27. He was projected to be a late lottery pick. There were some comparisons between him and DeAndre Jordan. Now, some of that has to do with the fact that DeAndre Jordan also went to Texas A&M. But like Robert Williams, DeAndre Jordan was someone who was projected to be a late lottery pick and ended up, Jordan ended up falling into the second round. I think he was number 35 overall in his draft class. But Robert Williams has the potential to make a DeAndre Jordan type impact just with his sheer athleticism alone. He's another very long player, much like DeAndre Jordan. And for the Celtics to be able to get him at pick number 27, that's one thing the Celtics needed. They needed a big man who could protect the paint. And it's such, it's such a steal for them. Yeah. And for, for a roster that, you know, really is so set up for the future already, and for them to, the rich get richer at this point, and it helps them completely. And center is not even a problem for them necessarily. Al Horford mans that position obviously well. But Aaron Baines played very surprisingly well last year, and they're definitely... I know that last thing I read about him is that the Celtics were interested in re-signing him. I know they have Daniel Thies, or Thies, I'm not sure how you pronounce it exactly, but an international player that they brought in last year who they're very high on as well. So center, they they have it covered. So, you know, Robert Williams falling in their lap, he's just perfect for them because he's just a rim-protecting lob catching big man and yes deandre jordan's a perfect comparison for him he is 6'9 which makes him slightly shorter for a center especially now that everyone in this draft class was 6'11 or 7 foot but he's uber athletic and he's able to he has such hops and he's able to really get up there and anchor your defense and i'm not sure what the reason for his slip was because he's one of my surprises as well and it might have been a medical issue it might have been on off the court issues regardless he was a projected lottery pick, and like you said, late lottery, he was projected 13 in my mock, one of the picks to the Clippers, in my latest mock that we released last podcast, and I'm very high on Robert Williams. I really like his play. He's a high-motor guy. He might not be a culture fit for some teams, but if you're out of the lottery at this point, especially towards the tail end of the first round, like we said with Michael Porter Jr. swing for the fences, at this point, this is number 20, 27. You don't really expect someone to come in and contribute right away this is a late first round pick and you're able to get a guy that was a projected lottery pick and could anchor your defense for you it's such a steal and he's such a good and you know that no other coach right now in this league besides probably Popovich but you know I almost trust Brad Stevens to develop young players more than I trust Popovich at this point so he's getting such a beautiful situation for himself as well yeah I won't go as far as to say I'd Popovich to me 
whether it's he's player development, he anything. Runs well, he runs a well-oiled machine. Yeah. At this point, well, except for the a, Kawhi Leonard stuff now, but right, no, you're not, but that's a personal thing, and that's yeah. not just him. That's the organization as a whole and how they handled his rehab. Could have been the medical staff on top of you know RC Buford. It could have been a, a, a mixture of things because you know Popovich. If anything, he you know was the face of it all, but you know that there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff there that we obviously will never probably know. Yeah, really quickly with Robert Williams, there were some reports that came out the reason why he slipped as much as he did. Some of it was the off-the-court stuff, and then also just him not always giving 100% when on the court. Um, when he's engaged, he's a very good player and someone who is definitely worthy of a lottery pick, but there was just concern about if he was going to be able to keep that type of motor going the entire time when for an entire game while he's in the NBA. So we'll see about that. If, if any, yeah, if any, if any coach can get him to keep his motor going, it's going to be, if not Greg Popovich, Brad Stevens. So he's in a, he's in a perfect position. Celtics got a steal at number 27, as long as they can keep him engaged and keep him smart, doing smart things off the court, but we'll see what happens. So Perry, who is your third surprise? All right, I'm going to move out of the first round for a second. Kata Bates Diop, a uh, small forward, kind of power forward from Ohio State. He was mocked number 18 in my last, uh, in my latest mock draft, and a first round selection projected in a ton of mock drafts. And for him to fall to number 48 in the second round to the Timberwolves is such a steal. And this is not a project player. He is, I believe he's 22 years old. He spent a few years at Ohio State. He's developed. He's NBA ready. He's a glue guy, 3 and D, and he can rebound very well. He's a high motor guy. I, I uh, projected him number 18 to the Spurs. I thought he would have been a perfect Greg Popovich player. So to see him go to a Coach Thibodeau and the Timberwolves at, in the second round and getting a guy like Josh Okogie in the first round, they really got an A grade, in my opinion. And getting Kate Bates D up, who, in my opinion, was right outside the lottery, number 18. And because of, of course, there's a weak small forward class, you know, beyond the top. 12 you know right there and at that point a lot of teams like the nuggets needed small forward help and i expected them to you know reach a little bit but to see him fall away to 48 was such a surprise in my in my eyes and the timberwolves really got a steal and hit yeah i thought that they got a pretty good selection with him but he's actually not one of my six surprises because i was only limited to six i'm gonna go with you said that you had him mocked at number 18 to the spurs i'm gonna go with who the spurs ended up getting at number 18 Lonnie Walker, he was supposed to be a lottery pick, fell to number 18 to the Spurs. He is someone who different scouts have mentioned if he can continue to show the type of development that he showed at Miami that he could end up being the best shooting guard in this draft. So for the Spurs to be able to get him at pick number 18, I think the Spurs are in a pretty good place whether they have Kawhi Leonard or not. Obviously, they're better off with Kawhi, but if they have to trade Kawhi Leonard... They have a point guard in Deontay Murray who was on one of the, I can't, I think he was first team all NBA defense. And then they have Lonnie Walker coming in who, if anyone, again, we talked about development. If anyone can develop this young player, it's going to be Greg Popovich and his staff. And now, I mean, depending on if they have Kawhi or if they don't, what they can get back for Kawhi, if they could get a uh, small forward and power forward, let's say maybe Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma, for instance. I think that they have a, they're building towards a really nice nucleus, and uh, Lonnie Walker, it was just surprising that he was still available that late into the draft. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, to be honest, he's not one of my six, but he'd be, he's one of the biggest surprises. Also because he probably is the quirkiest personality in the entire draft. Yeah, he does. Every single article I've read just chimes on what a big personality is, and it doesn't fit the Spurs' kind of mindset when they go into drafting. So that's a really cool fit for me and to see how he develops as a player and with his maturity on and off the court playing for that kind of organization and being in a place like San Antonio that is a little more low-key than other places you know if he got drafted to the Knicks or the Lakers or you know you know what I mean kind of a higher kind of watched place it's kind of harder to keep your cool at a place like that but if you're in San Antonio with Greg Popovich down your throat it's kind of hard to mess up so I really like him there as well, and the fact, like just like you said, pairing him and Murray as your front court for the future, or you know what I mean, back court for the future. That's definitely a good 
do what I have, and that's a good guy. That's a definitely a good backup plan if you're looking towards the future and moving past the Kawhi Leonard time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So let's move on to another surprise. So this is going to be my fourth surprise again. This isn't in any particular order, but the Clippers selecting Jerome Robinson at 13. I thought oh he was someone who was rising up draft boards, but not to that extent. When this whole draft process first started out, he was supposed to be a second round pick and he was moving up draft boards to where he was going to be, uh, I think realistically somewhere, somewhere in the twenties, somewhere in the twenties would make sense. When this draft process started Corbin, he wasn't even sure if he was coming into the draft for sure. He was only putting out feelers out there. He was almost certain that he was going to return to school after having a great year. Don't get me wrong. He scored very, very well in college this past year, which is what he does best scoring and shooting the three ball. But he, didn't even know if he was going to come out for sure, or if he was ready. He got good feedback from NBA teams, and he was a, a lock at first. Oh, yeah, he's just a second-round talent. He's definitely going to get drafted. And like you said, his draft stock rose. But then at that point, it'd be, okay, a team in the late 20s will take him. I had him mocked at 29 in my mock draft, my latest one. So to see him at 13, sneaking into the lottery, and getting drafted in front of a guy like Michael Porter Jr., he's one of my surprises, too, Jerome Robinson. I can't believe this. And the Clippers, I'm not going to ever doubt Jerry West. Even though he hasn't proved himself in a huge way as an executive, he's still, you know, Jerry West. Whoa, and Perry. Jerry West so. hasn't proved him as an executive? He was the I, Lakers. I meant, I, meant, I meant as an executive of the Clippers. Oh, okay. That's what, sorry about that. I meant that as an executive of the Clippers. In, in his current position, he hasn't really made any big moves. In my opinion, it's been the opposite. They've made these big moves that could have been debated if it was good or not. But then he got rid of Chris Paul. And I'm not saying they didn't get a good return, but Chris Paul's gone. And then they let Blake Griffin go as well. So he clearly didn't like what was going on there. Got back a bunch of assets in return. Got two first-round picks. So I'm not going to doubt where his mind's at because clearly he's making moves that he thinks for the future. And Jerry West is a legendary guard. So when he's watching a guy on the court, he needs to know a thing or two, obviously, about what it takes to be a dominant guard in the NBA. So I'm not going to doubt him on that. But at the same time, at number 13, I feel like you could have moved back. And with 12 and 13, and I know that a lot of teams were rumored to have interest in him, the Nuggets, the Spurs, even the Bucks, uh, the Wizards, a lot of those teams that were interested in him. But... At this point, 13 just seems like a reach to me. You could have at least moved back and got a future second-round pick at the very least if this was your guy. If not, for the Clippers at 13, I'm a, I rather would have them picked Lonnie Walker or, you know, Zaire Smith from Texas Tech yeah. with the sub guy and traded him. Either of those two guys, I'd much rather would have seen them pick him. Yeah, I think that there were... I agree with you. There were other better options on the table, but... His, his, his I'm, Questionable yeah, well. but again, at the, at the same time, I'm not going to question anything that Jerry West does just because, yes, he hasn't proven himself with the Clippers, but he's proven himself for so long with the Lakers as an executive with them, I believe, from 1982 to 2000. Then he went to the Grizzlies and led them to their first playoff run and their first real success as an NBA franchise. Then he went to the Warriors as a, what was it, an advisor, I think, was his role um and he he is the reason why they didn't trade he's clay thompson he's such a great basketball yeah. mind and he's able to especially at the guard position there's very few people out there that are going to be able to scout as well as the nba logo for god's sake you know yeah no i completely agree with that so with that i want to transition into my next surprise which was the lakers taking mo wagner at pick number 25 i'm not going to criticize them and say that it was the wrong decision because just like Jerry West has gotten the benefit of the doubt because of everything that he's done over his career, the Lakers lately, the past few years, they've done very well with drafting late in the draft, right around this area too. They had Larry Nance Jr. pick number 27, Ivica Zubots pick number 34, uh, Kyle Kuzma and Josh Hart last year at picks 27 and 30 respectively. So Mo Wagner didn't make much sense to me that early. I thought it was maybe a bit of a reach, but I'm not going to say it's the wrong pick just because the Lakers, maybe their scouting scouting department saw something that I didn't see and that most other people didn't see. They certainly saw that last year with Kyle Kuzma, um, but it was just questionable to pick him that high just because I and think that... Clearly, clearly they didn't have a promise to Mitchell Robinson either. Yeah, clearly not, because he went, what, 36 to the Knicks or something? 
which I think is a great pick for them too. Yeah, I think it was a it was a value pick for them as well. But Wagner at twenty five, I just think he probably still would have been there when they were selecting at uh, number thirty nine. They got that pick from the Sixers, but we'll see. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Lakers and them actually making a selection at pick number twenty five later in the later in this episode. But Perry, who is your next surprise? Uh, another second round pick here, DeAnthony Melton, and he's not as huge of a slip as Michael Porter Jr. or Robert Williams or Kata Bates, yeah, but he is a guy that's very interesting. He didn't play last year at USC because of everything that was going on there with the investigation, and he, but he was very highly recruited out of high school and such a talent, and the thing is he adds a specific level of defense that you can't find very often that can guard both guard positions at a high level, and what I've read is that if he's not the best perimeter defender in this draft, he's top three for sure. And he fell to the Rockets at number 46. And that's for the Rockets who, you know, needed to make a splash late in this draft because obviously they weren't positioned in the first round. They really did here. And they added a point guard who is young, athletic. We don't even know how good he can be considering he didn't play last year. And we're only able to judge off the talent before last year and his combine, which was very good. So, you know, to see him fall to 46 and for the Rockets to grab him there, it surprises me, but it's definitely a steal for the Rockets and a really good fit for him. Yeah, I agree. I think DeAnthony Melton, he didn't play last year at USC because of the whole FBI probe, Um, but his freshman year, so I went to USC, I saw him play quite a bit, and he is a terrific defender. He needs to work on his three-point shot, but we didn't see him play last year, so for all we know, he might be able to shoot the three now. And defensively, he was putting up his block percentage was, I forgot exactly what it was, but it was some ridiculous number that you don't see from guards. Um, He's more of a shooting guard than a point guard, not a great playmaker, but um, terrific, terrific defender, and that's something that the Warriors need with all the offense that they have, not too many shutdown defenders. Trevor Ariza, probably their best perimeter defender. But now DeAnthony Melton comes in, and I think right away he's at the very least in their rotation, coming off the bench and making a difference as the defensive stopper for them. Yeah, him and Devon Carter are two players in the second round that I both read are probably top two out of three perimeter defenders in this draft. So both of them getting taken in the second round, both steals, especially the Anthony Melton to the Rockets. All yeah, right, who's, your, yeah. who's your last guy? Yeah, so my last guy is Trey Young, pick number five overall. It was the Hawks who had the number three pick, and they they did well with getting the Mavericks future first-round pick. I believe it's top five protected next year. And the Mavericks, even with getting Luka Doncic, I still don't think they'll be that great. It'd probably be a maybe like eighth or ninth overall. So that's pretty nice compensation for just moving back two slots. It's just getting Trey Young at number five. I One, you got to... Dennis Schroeder is going to be gone from Atlanta somehow. <laughs> they're, yeah. This is Trey yeah. Young's team now. Yeah, Dennis Schroeder's gone. They're going to trade him. Um, we'll see where eventually, but it was just a little bit too high for Trey Young. Pick number five, I think that there are some other players that would that will make a larger impact. And with Trey Young, it's just such an unknown because he's six foot two. There's so many questions about his defense with him being, what did he weigh in at? Like 170 something pounds? Um, I think it was like, I think 183. Okay, 183. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, muscle. yeah, people. Yeah, after he had put on muscle, and people want to compare him to Steph Curry, and Curry is not a great one-on-one defender, but he's a really good team defender. He is. I think he's a lot quicker I, than Trey Young is. Curry's become a good defender. That's the yeah. Thing. Well, he's beca- he's become a good team defender. He's good at anticipating passing lanes and getting steals. He is by no means a good one-on-one perimeter defender, though. But with uh, Trey Young. Uh, Liability coming out of college for yeah, Curry because true. of how undersized he was, and he didn't grow into himself as much yet, which is the same situation for Trey Young. True. I just think that Steph Curry is quicker than Trey Young, which helps him with anticipating steals and getting steals, anticipating those passing lanes. But we'll see what happens. Trey Young, I think, is one of, if not the biggest unknown in this draft class because if you hit on him, he could have a Steph Curry like impact on your team. But there's also, I think, a really high potential for him to be a bust. 
For a team that wasn't productive last year and obviously wants to move on from Dennis Schroeder, who's had legal issues and clearly doesn't want to be on the Hawks, who's very vocal about it, this is a guy that, when you're talking about production, he led the NCAA in points and assists last year, so you can't really top that. And clearly, they saw enough in him to... They even, just like you said, got the Mavericks' first-round pick next year, but clearly, they loved him so much, even at three, they probably would have picked him there as well. So they just... You know, they got a little bit richer with picking up, you know, something for the future compensation, but still getting their guy at number five. Yeah, I think yeah. also also losing out on Luka Doncic because I really like Doncic. I think that, that shows what they how high or low they are on Doncic himself. Because if they if they thought he was a transcendent talent and there was no doubt that he was better right now than Trey Young, they would have picked him at three. Yeah, no, you're right about that. But this is just. My opinion is that I think that they gave up. Um, I just I think they would have been a lot better off going with Doncic, someone who won MVP in the second best league in the world at age 19. Um, he's got to have a really terrific future, and just the unknown with Trey Young is what kind of turned me off to that. But we'll see. I could be completely wrong, and if I am, I'll own up to it, like I was with the saying the Rockets wouldn't be a top team this year. Yeah, Rick Corbin was definitely wrong about that. I'll move on to number six for me. This one, I guess you can consider it a player, but it's more the team that surprises me. Picking Colin Sexton at number eight. The Cavaliers, it's not... Picking Colin Sexton at number eight is a good pick for the future. I actually like that pick. He's a savvy point guard. He's gritty. He's got a high... He's a guy that is going to be in contention for Rookie of the Year, to be honest. He's going to be put in a position where he's going to be playing, especially if LeBron James leaves. He's going to be getting a ton of minutes at point guard. You know, George Hill, at some point, they're going to have to phase away from him, and there's no other answer on there for point guard on the Cavs. So I really like that fit there for sure, but it's just the fact that the Cavaliers didn't trade that pick, and that's just such a surprise for me because we all expected them to go all in for Kawhi Leonard or somebody like Kemba Walker, who we reported they were talking to about in trade discussions, and at this point they stayed put made a safe pick for the future, an exciting guy, but clearly they weren't trying to woo LeBron James in any way. They were just going to stick to their plan, and they didn't freak out. You know, So I think it's a good surprise, in my opinion, that they didn't do this, it, depending really how you look at you know this conversation. But I, I like this pick because with LeBron James, this is a really good guy to pair up next to him and a good guy to develop with LeBron James. And he can shoot the ball, and he can drive the ball, and he's very exciting in the pick and roll and he's a pretty good defender too don't get me wrong and he made a name for himself in the tournament but yeah i mean at this point with or without lebron this is a good pick and it's surprising yeah he's a he's a really good defender but you bring up the term development and let him develop next to lebron james lebron james is going to be 34 years old in december he's not going to be waiting around for someone to develop so as good as i think colin sexton is and will be I just think that Kemba Walker would have been a much better fit there. And if I'm the Cavs, you can talk about how, well, you're not sure if LeBron's going to stay and you want to have a building block for the future. If LeBron leaves, you're not doing anything anyways. LeBron James is the only chance you have anytime soon of competing for a championship. So you do at that point, if you make a trade for a guy that's on an expiring contract and LeBron James doesn't sign with you and it isn't enough and they only have one year left, I don't think they're going to sign back there anyways. And then the Cavaliers really wasted that draft pick that they got for Kyrie Irving, who they abandoned ship on as well. So at this point, I like that they didn't freak out again because at this point, they Cody Altman has made this Kyrie Irving trade, made all these waves, and then did it again, made all these waves at the trade deadline pulling all these moves to try and put together a team that LeBron James would be happy with. So I'm glad that he didn't freak out for a third time, actually stayed put, and realized this might even be an indication of how the Cavaliers feel about their chances of keeping LeBron James. Maybe they think that they're already starting to work towards the future, and trading away a guy that you can get at number eight would have been a stupid decision. Uh, I just, I still think you do anything you possibly can to keep LeBron. And they could still end up trading Colin Sexton for Kemba Walker. I think if I'm the... Hornets, that trade makes sense. It does. So, we'll see. But let's move on to just talking about overall draft night winners. So, both going to list three. It could be teams, players. Perry, who were who was one of your draft night winners? I got the Hawks. And I know you said Trey Young was a bit of a surprise for you and that you thought it was a bit high for Trey Young. But 
just like I said, they got the guy that they liked at three, and they obviously think he's a much better player than Doncic, or else they would have picked Doncic. Clearly, he is a transcendent point guard from you know the second hardest. It's like we keep saying, second hardest league in the world. He's MVP, champion. He can't really show anything more, but clearly there's something there that's driving you know at least the top three, four teams away. And because the Grizzlies could have settled on him as well, and they rather took an upside for one of the centers that was picked in this lottery. So I really uh, think the Hawks did well because they knew that they were going to pick Trey Young anyways. They moved back to five and got a protected top five pick from the Mavericks for ni- for next year, first round pick. So they really, you know, made well and ran away with this. And they also got Kevin Huerter, Huerter or whatever how you pronounce his name. And at that point, he's a sharpshooter, and he's really it helped his draft stock throughout yeah. this process. For, yeah, for no, that, that was a good pick. Yeah, that and so at pick. this point, something I read that I thought was really interesting, it's almost like the Hawks just tried to draft their poor man, Steph Curry, and poor man, Clay Thompson. And yeah. I kind of really like that comparison. Not that I'm going to compare those two players to how good they're going to be, but I, they said poor man or Curry and poor man and Clay Thompson. It's pretty true, and yeah, I like where their heads at in regards to you know adding shooters and adding production on offense for them. They also got Amari Spellman later late in the first round. I believe it was thirty, and that was a guy that I think you were a little higher on than me. And I had him very early in the second round, so I think this was a bit of a reach. But he also is a really good building block for the future. He's, I think, six eleven. I think he's he's six nine, but he's a he's a big, big body. Yeah, at big this, body. At this point, he can stretch the floor, and he, I believe, he was a freshman in Villanova, and he was very well coached. And I really like him there, and he's going to be able to stretch the floor for them. And he's a late first round pick for them. They had three, so at that point, they really believed that he would be a guy that would help as well. So I think they really. Swung for the fences in the first round, keeping all three picks, and even acquiring one for you know next year. I really like that. And I, I'm actually he, looking right now. He's six nine and a fourth with a seven two wingspan and an eight eleven reach, two hundred and fifty three pounds. Okay. Uh, a player comparison for him from a reliable source is Markeith Morris. So I I really do like what the uh, the Hawks did. Uh, I give him an A. What what do you think? Who's a winner for you? Yeah, I have the 76ers as one of my winners. I really would have liked the fit of Mikael Bridges on their team just because he's someone who can come in and contribute right away. He's was a junior, left after his junior season at Villanova. Really good shooter and a great defender, but as much as I like his fit, them being able to trade back just six spots and get Zaire Smith, but more importantly, be able to get the Miami Heat's 2021 draft pick from the Phoenix Suns as part of moving back six spots. That twenty, Yeah, that 2021 draft, that is most likely going to be the year when high schoolers are able to finally come right to the NBA. So that draft is going to be loaded with all of the players who are freshmen at college who had to go to college, plus the high schoolers that are ready to make that jump. So that's going to be one of, if not the most loaded jump we've had most loaded draft we've had in recent memory. So I think that's just a huge pick. And beyond that, the Heat, they might not even be that good by 2021. They don't have many assets moving forward, many building blocks. They have Hassan Whiteside, who they're most likely going to be trading. Dwayne Wade, I would be shocked if he was still in the league by 2021. Goran Dragic is really about their only player that they have him and justice winslow is a nice piece but it's not really going to do much for you um yeah, speaking of Dwayne wade by 2021 watch out to see him being the owner of the seattle yeah. super Sun, bringing them back he's been very vocal he's released numerous statements on that in the past week about how when he's done he wants to partner up with someone and bring the sonics back so look out for that yeah that would be awesome to see for anyone who hasn't seen the documentary about how the sonics were ripped away from the city of Seattle, go ahead and you can, I believe it's on YouTube, look up Sonic's Gate. It's about a two-hour documentary about the ownership changes over the last few years when they were in Seattle and how the current owner, Clay Bennett, who ended up moving the team to Oklahoma City, when he bought them in Seattle, he had promised that he would keep them there and he, they went back and researched and you could tell he had no intention at all of keeping them in Seattle before he even bought them. Um, but let's get back to the draft. So um, another one of my surprises, or 
Yeah, let's go. Another one of my surprises was the Spurs. We mentioned them selecting Lonnie Walker with the 18th overall pick. I'm a big fan of that. I also like them selecting Chemezi Metu with the 49th pick in the second round. He's someone who was supposed to be a second-round pick, but um, I really like what he can bring to the table, and he does have a good amount of upside, especially for someone who came out after his junior year. I still think he has a lot of potential that he hasn't reached just because he is someone who's really athletic. Um, he can be a four or a five. He increased his shooting range a lot when he was at USC. Now he's a threat. You could argue out to the three-point range, maybe not NBA three-point range yet, but he's getting there. He developed post moves while he was at USC, which he did not have coming in. Um, the only thing is that his rebounding, his numbers weren't what you would expect from someone who was that athletic, so that's something he's going to have to work on. Um, defensively, he's a good rim protector, but one-on-one -on -one defense, especially in the post, he just he needs to get stronger. He's, I think, around 215 pounds, so um, he needs to add on some muscle, but I think that's another really good building piece for the Spurs. So the Spurs... They killed it during this draft. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I, I agree. They really scored for Lonnie Walker. Uh, one of my second winners for the draft would be the Mavericks, who I had the Hawks as my number one. Mavericks would be number two. I think they both won with this draft. Like you said, I know they gave up such a big piece there with you know the Miami pick in 2021, but that clearly shows how high they were on Luka Doncic and how exciting the idea of putting him with Dennis Smith Jr. is. Just think about that for a second. They're going to be one of the most exciting um, point guard, shooting guard combos in the entire NBA for a long time to come. And it's going to be really exciting to watch with Rick Carlisle, whose offense needs two really good guards, and he's a good coach when he's got, obviously, the right players. But I like Mark Cuban a lot. I love his vision. He's willing to spend money, and I know that the, him and the Hawks and them were having discussion about a possible Kent Bazemore and Wes Matthews kind of swap for contract situations and other things, and it just didn't work out, and the Hawks weren't for it. And so, it No, it was the Mavericks who weren't, because Kent Bazemore, Bazemore has... They have, they're getting paid roughly the same each year. It's just uh, Matthews had one year left on his deal, and Bazemore had two years left, and, and the Mavericks and, and, didn't want to do that. The two of them, it's really a toss-up on which player is more productive and you know really more able at this point between Wes Matthews and Bazemore really is a matter of opinion. But regardless, just like I said about the Hawks, they knew who their guy was at three, and they were able to move back to five to get him. And it might have been a reach in your opinion, but for the Mavericks, they knew who their guy was, and he could have been picked at three, 100%, if not possibly four. So they knew that they would have had to move up and... Clearly, that was the price that had to be paid, having to give up this pick. And I know that it's more of like a win-now kind of mindset, but Dirk's going to be there for another year, maybe two, but probably another year. And, you know, at this point, they're setting themselves up pretty good for the future. Just their entire, not just Doncic, they have, you know, of course, that pairing with him and Dennis Smith Jr., but they also drafted Jalen Brunson, a junior from Villanova, who's a proven winner, champion, and he's a very, he's a hustle guy. Who's the, the college player of the year last year? Yeah, I, I love him, and he, I like him how I liked Josh Hart last year. Obviously, same school, same coaching, but I just a bulldog on defense, and just a high-motor guy and a very high basketball IQ guy and they grabbed him in the second round great pick for them on you know adding Doncic and him Ray Spalding another guy who's really flown under the radar I had him mocked in my second round also earlier than when they drafted him so you know he's from Louisville another guy that's tall athletic and really can help for them and just no risk and of course I predicted Mr. Irrelevant correctly number 60 Giannis's brother Kosas Antetokounmpo and he is such a a good pick for them as well. Look at his genes. Look at Giannis. I'm not comparing him and saying that they're going to be the same player, but he's coming in at 6'11", I'm pretty sure sub 200 pounds. So think about how much Giannis grew as not just a player, but just as a human being. Think about how much he grew and filled out just in about a three-year span. And in every one of those three years, he made dramatic jumps for where he could have been the most improved player for each of his first three years. So just imagine if his brother can grow into half the player that Giannis is. That's a great pick if you're going to look towards number 60. Just kudos to the Mavericks scouting department for just an all-around A-plus draft. Uh, the Hawks and the Mavericks, both winners in my eyes. 
love the trade, love what they both are doing for their future. You can really only go up from there, from where they are right now. Yeah, I had the Mavericks as my third team that won the draft too, and it was really all because of the Luka Doncic trade. Um, I'm not too high on Jalen Brunson. I think he'll maybe be a role player in the NBA. I do like them taking a chance on um, Giannis's brother, just because. I love, I love that. Yeah, I mean, 60th pick in the draft. Odds are, I mean, unless you get like Isaiah Thomas, it's not, it's not going to work out. But take, and, take, and speaking of Isaiah Thomas, he tweeted right before the draft. Yeah. He was like, "Whoever is going to get picked number 60, make sure you call me. I'll let you know how to pretty much make it work and make the best of it." It's kind of like just shut up, it. You know well, what I mean? No, Stop. I mean he's he's just having fun with it. He, it's. I mean, he just tweets he, way too much about the slow grind and stuff like that. And yeah, I know, like, but I, I you still him. you still got to respect him and what he was able to do. He came in as the 60th <laughs> pick, and everyone writ, wrote him off. I think there was a tweet that, I forgot who tweeted it out, but um, a little bit before the draft, like a flashback to Isaiah Thomas's uh, press conference introducing him to the Kings after they selected him 60th overall. There were no media people at all. There was just one fan that was there, and there was a picture of the fan, yeah, that, that the fan shaking his that, hand. Yeah, that reminds me of that video that's all over the internet with that guy playing with like a little speaker on this like you know tenth floor balcony, and the camera goes down and just looks down to his three friends just jumping up and down like his giant crowd. <laughs> and it's just the DJs these days, so I think that's hilarious. Huh. Yeah, so I mean, I got the Mavericks as one of my winners. Uh, Costa Santeda Kumbo. A good, very low risk and potential for at least some reward on it if he can do anything half as well as his brother can. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the big thing is Luka Doncic. He's already six eleven. Think about if he grows into himself, he can be so long. Yeah, and he's got a really long wingspan too. Yeah, for number three for me, I have the Suns, and I know that it seemed like a lot for them to have to give up that draft pick and. But they're in, I think they're in more of a win-now mindset than people think. And the Suns are going to be my surprise team going into next year. They're going to make the playoffs. I'm going to tell you that right no now. No chance. I'm going to tell you that right now. And I'm not saying they're going to make any waves, but I think they're honestly going to make like an eight seed. And if not, they're going to be right there like the Nuggets were this last year. And they're going to surprise a lot of people. And Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden for the future, they compared, uh, they, you know, Aiden said, I don't want to obviously put direct comparison, but they can show flashes of possibly a little Kobe Shaq 2.0. No. And I, no, I, just love, I just love the idea of possibly having any kind of resemblance to that again, some sort of thing, because, you know, that dominant, humongous monster center isn't really a thing in modern NBA. And to have, you know, him coming in and actually able to hit the three ball as well, it's a very impressive fit, and I really do like what the Suns were able to do because they were able to get Mikel Bridges, who's NBA-ready right now, and such a good perimeter defender, along with Josh Jackson, who's already there. Putting them two as, you know, locking down the perimeter with Devin Booker, who isn't a liability necessarily on defense, but he's not going to help your team really that much on defense. It's just one of those perfect fits, really helping him out. And I really love what they were able to do because they got Elliot Kobo, who was a first-round talent in my opinion. I had him mocked late in the first round. And they were able to swoop him, and they already signed him. He was their first signing. They wanted to give him... Uh, like a four-year deal, just like a first-rounder, because they picked him at 31. And to get those three guys, two guys that would be top 10 talents in Aiden and Bridges, and a Kobo in the second round, technically, who, in my opinion, is a first-round talent, they walked away with a huge yield on that day. And I understand that they had to give up you know, that pick to the 76ers, but still, in my opinion, one of the winners drafts, they really made some good moves. Yeah, I thought they did make some really good moves, and I really liked Akobo with that number 31 overall pick. Um, they were they were right outside. I'd still consider them a winner in this draft, but if they hadn't made that trade and given up the 2021 Heat pick, then I would have had them in my top three. So let's move on to our three losers of this draft. Perry, I'll let you go first. Okay, yeah, I'm going to start with my losers. I... Funny enough, coming off the Suns, I'm going to go Mikel Bridges' mom slash family. <laughs> you know, he's a son now, but at the same time, everyone predicted he was going to be going to the 76ers at number 10. Max, one of our, a good friend of the show, was on Twitter with me, pretty much telling me how I was crazy that he would fall to 10, and that you know, there's no way, because in the top five, people are looking for more sure talent. 
he's out of his mind. I told him it's a perfect fit for the 76ers to draft him. They did. He played for Villanova. He had a locker in the stadium already. His mom runs their HR department, and he got drafted the 76ers. And he found out really quick that the NBA is a business. They dra- They traded him right away to the Suns, and I'm sure he's very happy in Phoenix and his you know opportunity for the NBA. But it was a storybook ending for him with the 76ers and right away goodbye no more i'm sure his mom didn't sleep too well last night so the uh you know the loser for this my first loser is definitely mikhail bridges mom mrs bridges yeah it's got to be tough for her but you know at least her son's still making millions of dollars so can't she's be, taking can't care of but yeah. ima- just imagine that like he it actually happened and they were like never mind <laughs> Yeah, so my first draft night loser is the Cavs, just really just because of what we spoke about before. It has nothing to do with Colin Sexton. I think that he was the right pick to make at number eight, and I think that he's going to be a really good player. But just when you're doing everything that you possibly can to get LeBron James, I really think that if they had offered, I just think that they probably didn't even offer that number eight pick for Kemba Walker, because if I'm the Hornets, I take that easily because Kemba Walker is going to be gone in a year. And it's just you have to do everything you can to try to keep LeBron because without him, Cleveland had how many years without LeBron James? 50 years without him? How many finals did they make? They didn't make any. So you have to do everything you can to keep him. So Colin Sexton was the right pick to make there, and I think he'll be a really good player. But just the fact that the Cavs even made that selection, that automatically made them losers. I definitely see what you mean. My, my second loser, it's going to be a little bit surprising. It's the Wizards, honestly. I don't like, I, I don't know what their direction is right now. They drafted Troy Brown at number 15 from Oregon, who is not a bad pick. Don't get me wrong. He's, you know, lanky, tall, you know, pretty long wingspan, and he's able to be a 3 and D guy for you. But at the same time, you picked him over Lonnie Walker, who they reportedly had interest in, Zaire Smith. Michael Porter Jr., Robert Williams, a lot of guys that they had reported interest in, and they went with Troy Troy Brown, which seemed like a very safe pick, but I would have loved to see them take Lonnie Walker there or Zyra Smith, who I both think have a lot more upside than Troy Brown do. So I think that they, if they really liked Troy Brown and that was their guy, they probably could have moved back. Uh, at least you know four or five picks, and probably still had him there. Even DiVincenzo to the Bucks, I would have even probably rather them you know have taken there and helped him out on the perimeter. But at that point, it's not just that. The second round, they had picked number forty-four. They took a Ukrainian point guard, Isuf Sanin, and nothing against him necessarily. But what direction are they going? They just drafted another shooting guard and a point guard, and it looks like John Wall and Beal are doing pretty well there and I'm not saying that they don't need depth behind them but there's definitely more pressing matters on that team and I think they could have moved these picks around a lot more and come out with a lot more with more assets in regards to future trade trade uh, you know future picks or even a late second round pick in this draft and being able to grab another guy so I'm just really confused about the Wizards and I expected them to go really with Robert Williams even if that was moving back and you know because I think Marcin Gortat's time is you know, in Washington is done, and he would have been a good fit there for them rim protecting and really adding a lot of excitement with John Wall and Beal running the floor with Robert Williams. I would have liked to see them move back and grabbed him if they saw that his stock was falling or going with one of the guards that I listed. So I don't like what the Wizards' direction is. Not sure what it is. Sorry, Wizards fangirl who was on one of our podcasts before. I know she was really excited for this draft. I follow her on Twitter, of course, and uh, I'm just not very impressed. I give them about you know a D on this one. Okay, yeah, my second draft night loser. It's a player, Marvin Bagley, and simply just because he got drafted by the Kings, who have the worst front office in the NBA. They do questionable decision after questionable decision. I think Marvin Bagley, it's between him and Donkic for who made the most sense for the Kings at two, and I think Bagley's going to be a really good player, but his development and learning curve would have been a lot faster on pretty much any other team. He still has Zach Randolph as long as Randolph comes back to the Kings next year. He still has him to learn from. You get to play next to Willie Cauley-Stein, but that front office, it just it scares me. So that's, oh, I agree. Yeah. And so my third loser for this one would be the Heat. 
And it's funny because they had no picks at all, so they didn't draft at all, and that's what makes them a loser in my opinion. It seemed like their whole team was on the trading block, especially Hassan Whiteside. There was rumors flying around about that. A lot of players that they could have you know, traded away for at least a second-round pick, at the very least. They made no moves at all. It's not exciting for me. They're in purgatory right now. They're right in the middle. They're mediocre. They're going to maybe compete for an 8-seed, 7-seed. I just... I really don't like where the Heat are, just like I said, for the Wizards. I don't know what their direction is and don't like it too much. I mean, Pat Riley there, of course, you got to trust him. But I just would have liked to see them be aggressive in some sort and get into this draft. Yeah, it's just weird to think with the Heat, especially with Hassan Whiteside, who it's no secret they're looking to trade him. And you got to think that they were <laughs> looking... They're trying to trade everybody. Yeah, but you got to think, especially with Whiteside, like they were probably looking for just a first-round pick for him, but... For them not to be able to get that. This is a guy who, when he signed his contract, I think it was just two off-seasons ago, he had different teams lining up to try to get meetings with him to offer him a max contract. And now you just look to see how much his value has gone down. And it's also a testament to just how much the league has changed over the last few years where there really isn't much use for a big, towering, seven-foot-one center that can't move his feet. Um, so it it's just... It's surprising to me how, um, yeah, they weren't able to make any moves at all in this draft. Yeah, exactly. So my last draft night loser was actually the Los Angeles Lakers, and it's not even because they drafted Mo Wagner in the first round, which I think was a reach, but again, I'm going to give the front office the benefit of the doubt just because of how well they have done drafting late in the first round um, and early in the second round over the past few years. It's just the fact that they made this selection. Most, Just like the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Lakers making this selection of Mo Wagner, or if they had drafted anyone else at number 25 overall, that player, so now it's Mo Wagner, he's going to count $1.7 million against the cap for the Lakers, which doesn't sound like a lot, but the Lakers are trying to clear up enough cap room to get Paul George and LeBron James, and ideally still be able to keep Julius Randle's $12 million cap hold and re-sign him as well. The money was already so tight. The cap holds and the players under contract that were going to count against the salary cap, it was already so tight. There was no room to add any more money. And now they have to try to make a way to figure out a way to make it work with $1.7 million more money in guaranteed money. And that's unless for some reason before they sign Mo Wagner, they're able to package him along with maybe Luol Deng, obviously some other pieces, but odds odds are, sorry, what were you saying, Perry? It was just known that the Lakers have made it reported to numerous yeah. teams that they are willing to package Luol Deng you know, and, and future picks just as long as somebody takes away his contract. That was reported, I believe, yesterday. So yeah. look out for, and that's, I mean, that's, that's multiple future first-round picks, which speaks to the price it's going to be to move Luol Deng, but that doesn't, clear up, that doesn't clear up any of the cap room, though, unless they can move Mo Wagner. That's $1.7 million against the cap, and look, maybe it's worth that $1.7 million, but to the Lakers, if they're able to do what they want to do, I don't think that he's worth it. So we'll see. Let's uh, move on. So that's all for the... NBA draft, our recap, Perry, you have anything? What a, what a great draft it was. Yeah, no, it, um, just a lot of different surprises, obviously, and then um, just so many different players where if they hit and are able to reach their potential, this could be a really, really good draft class. Um, I mean, much draft class looks very, very deep, and the same thing for last year. It just It's a testament to the type of develop, development on all levels right now and the athleticism that's out there and just... The people, the, the people that were undrafted were so top tier, in my opinion. Malik Newman, Alonzo Trier, a lot of these guys that I would have, if you would have told me they were going to go undrafted, I would have told you you were a liar. And to see them all going undrafted and signing elsewhere was, it just shows how deep this draft was. Yeah, Malik Newman, something. I mean, as a Lakers fan, he was probably yeah. the player that I'm most excited about, and he wasn't even 100%. drafted. Signed him to a two-way contract immediately after the draft, and they were they were thinking it was between Newman and Svi Mikhailuk for that forty-seventh overall pick. They went with Mikhailuk, and luckily for them, they were able to sign him to a two-way since he went undrafted. But 
um, yeah, definitely a lot of talented players, talented players that weren't even drafted just because of how deep this draft is. So it'll be fun to see how this draft compares to last year, which was another really good, really deep draft. So we'll just have to see. Let's move on to just talk briefly about the awards coming up on TNT this evening. We spoke briefly about it at the beginning of the show. We're just going to do quick predictions on each one of the six major awards coming up. So start off with MVP. So Perry, the finalists are LeBron James, James Harden, and Anthony Davis. Who do you think is going to win it? I think James Harden's going to win this. Yeah, I agree with you. I think LeBron James deserves it, but LeBron or James Harden's going to be the one who ends up winning it. We've had these debates a lot. We put out a ton of polls because you know these finalists have been released for a while, so we've had a lot of discussion, you know, just between us and with fans on Twitter and all of you guys. So we do know a lot of how you guys feel about these, but right now that's why we're not going to spend too too much time covering this since we already have. Just going to give our quick opinions, but we'll move on to Rookie of the Year. Donovan Mitchell, Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum, and it's just a quick reminder that these are regular season awards. Yeah. So although Jason Tatum had a, such a magical postseason, and that would help, of course, Brad Stevens, and it would not help Dwayne Casey for Coach of the Year, and stuff like that, it's not in consideration. It's just for the regular season. So Rookie of the Year between Mitchell, Simmons, and Tatum, who do you got? I'm going Simmons. Mitchell had a great year, but Simmons had a transcendent year for a rookie. Yeah, I'm in total agreement. So far, we're two for two. Yeah, let's move on to sixth man. So finalists are Eric Gordon, Lou Williams, and Fred Van Vliet. Perry, who do you think wins? Lou Williams. I think that guy's a star. He should be a starter, but he relishes off the fact that he can be a star on the bench. Last year, he... If the West wasn't so loaded with guards, he would have made you know that All Star game. His numbers were starter numbers, a hundred percent, and I love him. So yeah, definitely him. Eric Gordon is a great piece for the Rockets, but Lou Williams, no doubt. Yeah, I agree. It's Lou Williams, and he usually the player who ends up winning the sixth man is good enough to be a starter. It's just you want that instant offense off the bench. I think reminds me a lot of um, Jamal Crawford back when he was a little bit younger. He won, I think, three or four sixth man of the year awards which is a record um but yeah lou williams is i don't think this is even much of a debate yeah i mean there's not much of a debate for the next one either in my opinion for defensive player of the year we got anthony davis joel Embiid, and rudy gobert it's got to be anthony davis that guy led the lead in blocks he had steals out you know out of this world for a center as well he plays great help defense he runs the floor chases people down anthony davis is a defensive monster i'll never vote against him for a defensive award yeah i agree with you i think we had this debate a few episodes ago and we spoke about how all three of these finalists are great rim protectors but what separates anthony davis is his ability to switch out and guard anyone one through five um be uh, force both on the perimeter and inside. So yeah, it's got to be Anthony Davis. And this, again, I agree with you, it's not much of a debate. Let's move on to the Most Improved Player Award. So we have Clint Capella, Victor Oladipo, and Spencer Dinwiddie. Who do you think wins it, Perry? Victor Oladipo, no question. Uh, Clint Capella, I mean, this, I'm not going to say this is no debate because Clint Capella really did have a good year and he's going to earn himself rather a nice contract with the Rockets or he's going to run away on you know, a huge deal that might even be a little high for him. But he definitely is super efficient and a great player to add to a team, a winning team. Victor Oladipo, you could add him to any team, and that guy's a star. He showed it this last year. What he didn't show, you know, prior to the, on the teams that he was on, people expected a lot from Victor Oladipo, along with the fact that he's super athletic and such a good dunker. They expected him to be that number one option, and he never really showed it. And now they moved him in the Paul George trade, and with Sabonis, and it seemed like a steal for the Thunder. And to be honest, it probably was a steal for the Pacers. They got a better situation, a guy that didn't want to be there. And Sabonis played very well off the bench and started a little bit. And Victor Oladipo was an all-star, their star, and he's going to be the most improved player as well. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. It's Victor Oladipo, and Clint Capel had a really good year. I think there's a debate to be had here, but just not that long of a debate. Um, yeah. <laughs> Victor Oladipo, look, Paul George, look at what happens after you play with Russell Westbrook and you go somewhere else. Kevin Durant leaves, he wins two championships, Oladipo leaves, and now he's one of the stars in the NBA. Paul George, you're already a star. Leave Russell Westbrook, come to the Lakers, and let's see what happens. But yeah, it's Victor Oladipo, and sorry for anyone who isn't a Laker fan and thinks that I'm really annoying. Um, 
just have to deal with it for those few seconds. But um, yeah, it's Victor Oladipo. Let's move on to the last award, Coach of the Year. So we got Dwayne Casey, who last year was on the Raptors, not there anymore, member of the Pistons. Um, Quinn Snyder from the Utah Jazz and Brad Stevens from the Boston Celtics. Who do you think wins, Perry? Well, I'm going to say Brad Stevens, who I'm very well documented that he's my favorite coach in the league. And I know that this is a regular season award, but I still give it to Brad Stevens because he made this team so much better than they had the potential to be without Gordon Hayward. For he, Gordon Hayward played five minutes in the entire Kyrie Irving was pretty banged up sometimes. A lot of this roster was banged up. He, made, he found a way to put them in a good position in the playoffs and you know put them in an amazing playoff run going all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. So I really, I'm not going to take that in consideration, but even just regular season, I know Dwayne Casey led them to a number one seed, but I'm going to lead, I'm going to go with Brad Stevens because of the circumstance and what he was able to do with such a young roster and really pull out the best from each player. But just want to take a one quick second just for Dwayne Casey, who of course is the head coach for the Pistons now. He's already started filling out his coaching staff in the past two or three days. He's hired uh, a player's developmental coach, uh, one of the head assistants for him, and the actual top assistant, Sidney Lowe, from uh, the Washington Wizards. So Dwayne Casey's already doing a pretty good job filling out his coaching staff there uh, in Detroit. But I'm going to give this one to Brad Stevens for me. What about you? Yeah, I agree with you. I think this is by far the one that it wouldn't surprise me if any three of these coaches win it. This is a really good debate. Yeah, this is the really good debate. And we had that debate, I think it was, what, three or four episodes ago for anyone who wants to go ahead and check that out. Um, I'm going to give it to Brad Stevens. Just what he was able to do with the Celtics roster. If you look at them when they're completely healthy, yeah, they should have been a top two seed in the East. But knowing what we know with Gordon Hayward only playing five minutes and him game planning his season to have Gordon Hayward be one of his major pieces and then having to readjust Kyrie Irving being injured for a lot of the year and being able to have his young players step up to the plate and take on the challenge and really hit a home run. Um, it's I'm going to give it him just narrowly, but you could talk me into Quinn Snyder or uh, Dwayne Casey winning it. I, I totally agree. This is the best debate. And I'm actually excited for Dwayne Casey in Detroit. I really think that's going to work out. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be a good situation. I think he's going to be able to make it work between Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. Kind of a little disappointing last year that they didn't make the playoffs. I know Griffin was traded in the middle of the year, but with an offseason to work together and Dwayne Casey, who's one of the best coaches in the year, helping them figure it out, yeah, I think that they're definitely at the very least going to make the playoffs and be an exciting team to watch this year. Yeah, make sure uh, we're going to put this podcast out uh, just in a bit, but if we catch you before or after the NBA award show, make sure that you're tuning in yourself, TNT, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, and you can actually find out who wins these awards for yourself and see how right we were or wrong. Yeah, so we're, we're probably going to end up being wrong. We are on the, well, yeah, one of on us, the, one of us is wrong on a lot of stuff usually. It's just Corbin. He was just wrong on the Rockets. That's it. Yes. But, no, you know, I'll take that. That's the only thing I've ever been wrong on. Thank you. But yeah, we'll, uh, we're going to wrap that up for today. Just a good draft recap for you guys and predictions for the NBA awards that we've made before. But thank you guys so much for tuning in with us. It's been such a fun draft and already such a fun offseason. I know Corbin's already talked about Paul George a ton this this uh, podcast whenever he's had the chance. But for all of our Thunder fans that are listening in, I know we got a few that were very opinionated on Twitter as well. Don't count him out to keep him there as well. Uh, Carmelo Anthony definitely didn't help necessarily buying into his last year of his contract and actually putting up numerous Twitter posts and pictures of him flaunting with cigars and glasses of wines and chauffeurs and everything, so, which I thought was hilarious and really funny and awesome. So, Carmelo, keep being a G, keep doing what you're doing, but <laughs> get in the gym. Uh, but yeah, just want to look out for anything happening with the offseason. Keep our notifications on Twitter at NBA Unwrap. We'll keep you informed with absolutely everything post-draft, going to free agent signings, going into the actual season, everything that's going to possibly go on. Please follow us. Everyone on Twitter that's been so active, especially with me when I'm jumping on there, I really appreciate it. It's so fun. And I know I've reached out to a few of our most active fans and offered them to be you know, on the podcast a bit uh, sometime in the future. So look out for a little 
guest appearances on one particular podcast. I'm going to probably have a fan edition podcast. So if anybody would love to jump on via phone call with Corbin and I, even Christian too, will probably be on the podcast with us. We could talk about, you know, numerous topics. I really love to have a podcast dedicated to you guys. I hope Corbin's on board with that, but I know I've already mentioned a couple of you guys. I think it'd be so fun. So if any of you guys are listening to us, love what we do and want to contribute, have your voice heard and jump on a podcast maybe for the first time, I promise you it's fun. You uh, DM us at NBA Unwrapped and we'll be sure to add you onto the episode and chime you in via phone call. We'd love to have you know all our fans from all across the country. So thank you guys all for your dedication. We look forward to that episode coming forward. It's something that I've been brainstorming lately. Yeah, yeah. So just uh, it's going to be a difficult episode for me if we do a, a free agency recap and Paul George isn't on the Lakers. So <laughs> you're gonna have to ca- you're gonna have to carry us through that, Perry. That's I mean LeBron James. I Paul George is the one who since last year the two different reports talking about how he's hell bent to come to the Lakers. Like if they don't get him, just whew, Perry, yeah. you will be carrying right. that podcast. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna and, I'm gonna try and stay neutral, even I'm a Lakers fan. I do enjoy staying neutral and looking at all sides of it. I know Corbin's <laughs> a bit emotional, so I will run. I will run that particular podcast just for all of our Oklahoma State fans. But thank you guys so much. Please be sure to listen to us on SoundCloud. If not, go to the Apple Podcast app. When you're on there, rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Tell us how much you love us. Tell us how much you hate us. Regardless, we'd love to hear your opinion. It really helps us out. And thank you guys so much again for tuning in to NBA Unwrapped, where we unwrap all the hottest takes around the NBA. My name is Perry Aston, joined by Corbin. Any last words, my man? No, just thank you guys for listening in. Hope you tune in again next time.